The time has come again. A brand new episode of The Chromatic Life. Welcome to episode number nine. Yours truly, Javier Payano, music teacher, streamer, uh, making all the magic happen with my man, the co-host. Over here we have Matthew Lancaster, hashtag token white guy from the More Than Bits podcast and Geeks in Sneak. Sneaks. Matthew, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm hanging in there, doing pretty well. You know, I got... uh... A lot of work going on and everything else, but I'm here and I'm happy to uh, have this my favorite podcast of the three. I'm not going to lie. This is my favorite time of the week or every two weeks. Uh, Let's try not to tell the other people that, but I am glad to be here and really excited to uh, talk with our co-host tonight. Do you want to go ahead and, uh, you know, roll out the red carpet for her? Oh, absolutely. You know, I do. You know, I love this moment. In the podcast, every episode, I get to introduce our wonderful guest, and we did not stumble this time, dearest Chromatic community members. This time, you know, when we uh, we don't have Tanya D on the episode just yet, and when she's absent, you know, we have to bring bring in the big guns to to try to fill her shoes. And this week, we have uh, someone who who I am so happy and so pleased to introduce to you. Uh, she eats MRAs for breakfast. She is a feminist extraordinaire, artist extraordinaire, wonderful friend of ours on Twitter, the one and only, the incredible game-making, the incredible life-changing, Kiva Bay. Kiva, say hello to the Chromatic community. Well, that's like a lot to live up to. I feel like kind of scared now. Like, hello, Chromatic community. (laughs) I promise. This is what he does. Not that important. That was like, that was a really, really big red carpet. Like, that was a big red carpet. That was quite a red carpet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm worried to step on it. He made the red carpet. Well, no, he made it as wide as, um, you know, your, how do I want to say it, your activism on Twitter. That's how big that red carpet is. We have to pull out all the stops for Kiba Bay. You know that. Do not downplay yourself. Do not be modest. Not while you're while you're here on the Chromatic Life podcast. You are larger than life, and I want you to have a wonderful, great time tonight. So, Kiva, thank you so much, so much, so much for joining us tonight. We're so happy to have you with us. So, oh, Kiva, we <laughs> first. Oh, of course, absolutely, absolutely. We first started um, kind of chatting and stuff on. On Twitter, we're both huge fans. All th- well, all three of us, huge fans of um, huge fans of the Isometric podcast, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, I am at least. Yeah. I love Definite. the Isometric podcast, and I started doing fan art for them because I think that they're pretty much hilarious. They just crack me up anytime that I'm having like a really hard week. To like, I'm usually too busy for it these days, but anytime that I'm having like a week where I feel like my week has been like way too stressful, I go to the isometric live show and I hang out in the chat because I feel like they have like one of the best listener communities. I mean, I'm sure other than your own, let me, let me stress other than your own, of course, but I love the isometric community. They're super great. 
I'm a fan. <laughs> You're a happy panda. I'm I'm a panda fan. I'm a fanda. <laughs> You're a fanda. That's right. There you go. Dowel bunga while you're at it too. Dowel bunga. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, shout out to Georgia Dow, amazing uh, co-host on uh, last podcast we had. So we're always going to shout her yep. out on this podcast. But uh, so Kiva, we want to dive right into you right away. And uh, if you have not been lucky enough to see Kiva's artwork, I would uh, like to stress the chromatic community what an amazing artist you are, and I really do love all of the artwork that you have put out there and you know later on we're going to talk about how you use it in your games but for right now do you want to start talking about you know all these feminists that you look up to on twitter and you you know you portray them and then talk about how feminist deck got started how did feminist deck get started well so i was gonna kill myself that's probably the weirdest place to start that story. But I was, uh, I was in, I'm bipolar and I was in a very bad low and I was suicidal and I had to go to the hospital. And when I got out of the hospital, I had lost my job and I didn't really know what to do. So, I noticed that there were all these people getting yelled at on the internet for, like, really no reason, and they were getting called all these awful things, and I decided to just draw pictures of them being like, hey, you're cool, don't listen to haters, because I needed to do something positive, because I was in that really dark headspace still, and just because I had a lot of free time. So, and then it somehow turned into a Kickstarter and yeah, that happened. That was how I made the feminist deck, which was, um, exciting and different and should be shipping in December. Exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's even, um, I mean, this is a little bit of a side note. It's awesome to see a Kickstarter actually happen and, and actually ship because you don't always have that happen. But to kind of go back, um, when did you get diagnosed as being bipolar? Uh, when I went into the hospital when I was suicidal. So in this last year, it's been a really busy year. Um, yeah, it's been a really busy 12 months for me anyway. Yeah, so no, I can understand, you know, for my mother, she's... I uh, considered, you know, bipolar myself. I, I, I'm not diagnosed as bipolar, you know, depression at times and anxiety now I have, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, um, you know, something that people aren't totally aware of and they, there's a really, really negative connotation to it and it's not really totally understood. But as we've talked about plenty of times before, many, um, things dealing with mental illness are not really seen in a good light. It's always, negative connotation always you know crazy bad you know stigmatization I, I, yeah exactly so it's it's definitely something to deal with in that area and then also getting getting it under control per se with you know different methods whether it be uh you know meditation whether it be uh exercise whether it be you know medicine or, or just having a 
counselor, someone to talk to, all, all things really help out with that. So I understand. Or your yeah. creative outlet, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the drawing helps a lot, uh, but it helped to focus the drawing in a different direction than it had been going before that. For about 20 years before that, I had done very male gaze oriented art, um, seeking approval from communities like 4chan, which I was on, seeking their approval for my art. And they were just always so negative. They were always like, yeah, this is okay, I guess, but whatever, you're <laughs> this, that, or the other thing. <laughs> like, nobody says anything <sighs> nice there, like, ever. <laughs> like, but, you know, that was like 10 years ago or something like that, like nine years ago, I think. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad that you, uh, you know, came back and (laughs) (laughs) basically, you know, started this awesome project, um, making its way to Kickstarter. And, you know, you're drawing your favorite feminist on on the cards and, um, you know, you found a way to rise above it because at the end of the day, what we were always preaching here, sorry to get preachy so soon, dearest (laughs) romantic community members. Um, but we always want to send that message out that, you know, you should be yourself no matter what. And like you, you're saying, you know, you should, uh, validate yourself, you know, instead of seeking approval externally. Um, yeah. Um, Kiva, let's talk about, uh, 12 hours. So 12 hours is a, um, you know, I'm guessing autobiographical, uh, game and it's a twine game on itch.io is that correct yeah and it'll be coming out on steam we're actually going to push the steam release back a little bit so kaylin can work on NaNoWriMo so it'll probably be coming out I would say December in steam and it's free uh, we encourage people who are moved by the game to donate to Food Not Bombs or the Pongo Fund, um, both excellent charities. Uh, the Pongo Fund provides free pet food for low or no income families, and uh, they provide free cat food and free dog food. And the uh, Food Not Bombs creates vegan or vegetarian meals from um food that would otherwise be thrown away so they uh, oh that's cool yeah and then they feed them i'm, to I'm just gonna throw to a public. little shout out to a, to a friend of mine he's, he's my friend uh nathan piccolomini he's also my uh daughter's godfather but uh he is now going for his master's degree and i want to say like sociology or psychology or something like that as well he's He's got a degree in like uh, 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 culinary arts, uh, theology, and now he's going for like psychology. And one of the things he wants to do is make a thing called Chefs Against Hunger, where basically it's going to be where chefs donate money uh, yearly to have like a large fund, but then to all the local communities um, have it where chefs work with the owners they work for to actually take all the food that is still edible and instead of throwing it away, giving it to certain homeless shelters that would tie into that. 
So that's something he's trying to get kicked off here in uh, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. So hopefully it works out. Yeah, there's there's national laws that protect agencies from any legal retribution for giving bad food away, like air quotes, Mm -hmm. bad food. Like, Mm -hmm. there's good Samaritan laws that protect you from legal retribution for that. I don't understand why more businesses don't. Well, I do understand. I worked in a kitchen and I understand you're moving fast. You're doing your thing. But I feel like it would be better if we threw away less food, obviously, because there are hungry people who are on the street in this nation. And that's atrocious to me. That's absolutely disgusting to me that there are people on the street in this nation where people are so rich and so well off. Like (laughs) there's there's no way that you can like handle the cognitive dissonance of having to look at homeless people sleeping on a golf course it's so bizarre you're like oh so this is a whole bunch of public land that it's illegal to camp on because rich people use it to play golf (laughs) yeah i do recoil a little bit every time i go past a golf course just just for that that very reason just you know how many houses could you build on this land for yeah you know all these families or all these people to live live in but it's got to be available for someone who wants to hit a ball with a stick yeah when someone asked me why don't you golf i said i'm white i'm not rich okay i i can't i can't golf. i said give me a basketball and and a free basketball court and i can do that but you know i just uh yeah i never got into that at all you know being uh, I come from a sporting family. I'm the person that never played sports, you know, for school, but have a whole bunch of baseball players, basketball players, football players in my family. And uh, I'm the guy that never did any of that. So I've always found it odd, especially like you said, the uh, golf. It, it seems that those golf the most have the most money. And like you said, there's, you know, hundreds of acres that are, you know, used up for the sport. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a sport like that. I'm just saying that, you know, there's multiple uses for land other than just, like you said, hitting a little ball with a with a metal shaft. Well, it just seems so, it's kind of that odd moment of seeing decadence and poverty side by side. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a class mm-hmm. that's rich enough to water and care for a bunch of acreage of lawn for them to play a sport on, but they don't have the harder compassion to care for these homeless people who are there. I don't I don't know when the, you know, when the when you get the separation from a particular class, um you know, you'd always like to think that if I hit it rich or I made a great idea, I would be the same person I was. And maybe I would be, maybe I wouldn't be. I I can't say, you know, but um if you look at places it even goes to show I, I forget where it was uh, there was a story, it was somewhere in like Idaho or Oklahoma, They or North Dakota, that's where it was. They had a bucket set out for Christmas time for maybe Salvation Army. It was outside of a Walmart, so it was like the lowest uh, lowest uh, median income in all of North Dakota, and they set up this bucket. And then it was like outside of a, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue or something like that where all the rich people came by. And after the week, or it was a month, I can't remember... I think it was like two times as much money given at the Walmart in North Dakota than it wasn't like in New York City outside of Saks Fifth Avenue where all the rich people were going. And it just shows that like 
people who actually have less give more and people who have more give less. And I just wonder where that comes from. Like, obviously, you know, if you struggle, if you can give a little bit, even though it might cause you to struggle and help someone who's struggling worse, you're fine with doing that. You feel like, Hey, I'll, I'll go do that. And you know, you see these other people who at one point in time, not everybody was born rich, even though there are rich families and people grow into it or, you know, are born into it. There's other that have been where you were. So where all of a sudden does that break in that empathy with people who don't have as much as you do go away? Yeah, I think the problem too is, you know, most of the communication that we do now is online and that already separates people um, and, you know, allows you to dehumanize people who are different from you. So it's really easy for you to, you know, you know, for people to just kind of just assume that superiority complex and think they're better than others. And because they don't have to deal with those persons or they don't know that person personally, maybe they don't know anyone who's lost their house. They don't know anyone who's, you know, become homeless. So, you know, for them, it's just like, oh, yeah, you're lazy, you know, get a job. Um, Mm -hmm. Kiva, I want to make sure that we get a chance to dive into the your game 12 hours. Now, for people who do not know what a twine game is, would you kindly uh, explain that a little further? Sure. Twine is an engine um, that allows you to make text based games. Um, and really what you do with twine, uh, really only, it's only limited by what you're willing to do with the coding. Uh, if you want little animated things in your game, you can have little animated things in your game. If you want music in your game, you can have music in your game. You can make the background do whatever you want. Uh, so... A twine game, and 12 hours in particular, is a text-based adventure. Uh, You're exploring an area kind of like the old... uh, Choose-your-own-adventure games. And a lot like the the old choose-your-own-adventure books. It's quite a lot Mm. like the old Mm. choose-your-own-adventure books, which I like a lot. Um... In the game, you're a homeless woman, and you're just trying to stay alive for 12 hours, alive and awake. And there are little places where you can catch little naps, but you're just trying to get through 72 safe moves on the board. Um, But... Designing the board was really the fun part in Twine. So Twine sort of looks like these boxy flowcharts. And so you can actually rebuild a grid map in Twine with text boxes. And so if you're a visual person, like... I am a very visual person and Kaylin reorganized my TWS file in this way and it suddenly looked like the map I had drawn and it becomes so easy to stop thinking about it like a book and start thinking about it like a game. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, 
I got completely immersed in the in the game right away. Um, actually, it took me a few minutes to get through that just the first line, the the first narration, that first picture, um, just because it really hits you right away. And uh, I just really like the you know the branching paths. You're really choosing where you're going to next. And uh, one particular part, um, you know, you're you're. You're done. You know, the, the student center is closed at 7 o'clock. It doesn't open till 7 a.m. So you're kind of wandering and you have to, you know, waste time. You you have to stay awake. And in, in, in 12 hours, there's these, you know, blue text um, sections that you can click on. It kind of gives you more information for different things. And then you, you know, you use those same, um, you, you click on those uh, same blue texts. Uh, sentences or words to go you know you can go north go south and then you ended up by a restaurant so uh, because I didn't have enough money to uh, get anything you know just like that one mechanic you have in there of like you know to beg and you can see different people's reactions as they walk by you and see different judgments of people as they walk by you and it's you know maybe like every eighth person will give you a little bit of change um, you know, uh, then going in to, you know, to talk to the, the burger, you know, uh, burger joint worker, and he's just looking you up and down and knowing you who don't have enough to pay. And then I thought the most interesting thing about paying for your meal or trying to pay for your meal, because, you know, I didn't have enough at first, was uh, you, you have to pay one coin at a time. And was that something that yeah, you deliberately really, put in there? Yeah, we really, really wanted the audience to be aware of how precious the coins are and how embarrassing it is to pay with change. So what we're doing is we're adding in mechanics to that mechanic. So one of the things that this is why we want to wait for a while to release it on Steam because we're making that mechanic more complicated. So there's going to be a heat mechanic, a humiliation mechanic, and an irritation mechanic. So the heat mechanic is the longer you beg, the more likely you are to get a game over from cops just coming and arresting you. The humiliation mechanic is uh, you get more humiliated as you beg. Till you reach a point where the protagonist is just like, if you get too many of those uh, negative epithets, your protagonist hero, who I, I always just call her hero, um, just is finally like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not, I've been spit on too many times. I'm not begging anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the last mechanic is if you're using too many small coins to pay at the mm-hmm. counter and taking too long to pay, the cashier will throw you out. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was definitely there for a while just counting my coins. Like, do I have enough for this cheeseburger? <laughs> so I probably would have been done then. Why Why do you think there's such a negative connotation to paying in coinage compared to dollars? Uh, because it's what poor people do, and we hate poor people. Uh, poverty is part of the axis of oppression. It's one of the spokes in the wheel of oppression. Um, just like race, just like gender, just like sexuality, poverty is one of 
the spokes in the wheel of oppression and it affects a lot of different people but uh it's one of the things we look down upon in this country especially yeah and i can uh you know i can see you know obviously your you know the reason you built this game is is so that people can find empathy am i right we were talking earlier about um you know just like the lack of empathy that you have you know especially for people who have never known poverty you know for people who have never had to scrounge so um you know uh i definitely felt that and you know it really hit me hard when i was playing the game so um you know is is that the hope for you that you know some people will either identify with it or maybe be able to empathize more with people in that situation I do want them to be able to empathize more with people in that situation. I want people to understand why a homeless person might choose to use drugs or drink alcohol because they are so completely and utterly unoccupied and alone and invisible and it's really painful. Uh, I'm trying to make people understand why homeless people like sleep in the park during the day i'm just trying to make people see people i think is the big thing we have a huge problem with seeing homeless people um we see homeless but we don't see homeless people Mm -hmm. and it's really important to remember that the people that you're judging the people that you're judging for their poor choices. Like what you're basically saying when you judge someone for their poor choice and be like, well, they deserve to be homeless is there's a point where you deserve to not have a home. We live in a country where there are more empty homes than there are homeless people. It's absurd to me, especially that There are addicts who are being untreated and uncared for. Addiction is a mental illness. I don't care about the stigma attached to it. They need help. That there are sex workers who are being abused and don't have a home to go to and don't feel like they can go to any shelters because they're sex workers. And that's ridiculous and that's stupid and it should immediately stop. Like, I I really don't understand how this puritanical country gets off judging all of these people when we go around murdering people. Like, like, and I mean that, I don't just mean that, like, oh, our soldiers go off and murder people. I mean, like, we murder each other, like, at alarming rates. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand how we're going to go ahead and judge, like, a homeless person for using drugs <laughs> it's just beyond me it's just beyond me like these people are people who need help and if you ever think to yourself that this person deserves this punishment like you are giving in to an evil thought like if you think this person doesn't deserve my empathy kindness and help you are giving in to something that is genuinely evil yeah, there's there's I know some that sounds line. Weird. <laughs> no, oh, no, I don't no, think I, it sounds weird. I'm right there with like you. The, 
I feel like there's some line in like certain fights that are brought up. Like I think about the eighties and that's where your war on drugs and even your war on music happened from a censorship standpoint. And it was like such a big issue uh, that other things weren't brought up. And, and, you know, like you said, you, you have this where people are killing people and we're not just talking about soldiers, but you know, the people that are saying all lives matter are the ones that, you know, are pushing other lives out of the way that don't matter in, in their opinion. Right. Um, and it's just ridiculous to see how this happens, how one thing can be so over four, but the other side, uh, you're so you're so against and a lot of times anything dealing with drugs like those people are like written off and then if you're homeless and you do drugs you're even more written off like at that point in time uh you might as well be invisible to most people because they will definitely uh just renounce you as a human being it seems like I, i don't know why that is um but it just seems like there's certain things that are worse than others in people's mind yeah, the impact of invisibility is intense on being one when you're homeless, the impact of being invisible to people is horrifying. Um David and I were recently up in Seattle as kind of a working vacation and part of what I did up there was I took uh $50 with me in fives and I uh I gave them to homeless people and I took their pictures and I talked to them for a little while. And, um, there was this girl who was standing on the street corner crying, holding a sign that said homeless and depressed. So we gave her some money and we talked to her for a little while. And she told us like, she was like, it's almost worse when people won't look at me. She's like, I almost, she's like, people have been giving me the worst looks all day and it's terrible and it makes me feel awful. She's like, but it's almost worse when people don't look at me. And so we gave her some money and we gave her a hug and we told her to like be well. And then she moved on and she went and she met up with her partner who she obviously couldn't beg with because you get more money begging as a single woman, but you are much safer as a woman in a partnership on the street. Like, I don't judge what that at all. Like, I have no mm-hmm. negative feelings towards this girl. And she looked like, and she saw me, and she looked, like, so ashamed. And I, like, mouthed at her. I'm like, it's okay. Like, because like, I, I kept trying to explain to her, like, I've been there. I've been homeless. And I don't think that it's easy to understand until you've been homeless. But... Mm-hmm. These are judgment calls that I hope 12 hours forces people to make. Like, I hope people are forced to make the judgment call of, this crackhead just offered to smoke crack with me. Do I smoke the crack or do I say no and risk him getting violent? Mm -hmm. That's a question that you've probably never had to ask yourself as a woman on the streets, but it's a question I've had to ask myself as a woman on the streets. And it's a really, really scary moment to find yourself in. Yeah, I, I mean, with that type of stuff, I can imagine. I, I think, you know, the people that are inside the car or walking past and don't look sometimes. And I, I think uh, I've probably guilty of this uh, is is shame that you can't help. Like, if I don't have money on me, I feel bad, like, you know, looking and then, like, not giving. So sometimes I have, like, tried to ignore so that way... 
thinking, oh, well, they won't ask me and I want it to say I don't have any money to give you right now because I don't have it on me. Um, I, I think that's uh, where I've come from. I know for some reason, and maybe you can explain this to me, maybe you'll have any, I don't know, but for some reason it seems like every person that is either um, homeless or, or is even out and you don't know they have any money, for some reason ask me all the time. It's. I feel like sometimes I just kind of give out a lot of money because people just keep asking my wife. Like every time I go past them, when they ask you for money, I was like, I don't know if you just have it on your head that you will give money or what, but it just kind of seems that way for me. Whenever I'm out and about, you know, someone will will usually come up to me or or you know, as I'm walking past, say something to me. I, I don't know if there's a reason with that or or not. Begging is a full time job. You ask everybody. You got to say yeah. it to every single person that goes past. Even the ones who say terrible, terrible things to you in return. Um, that's kind of something we wanted to get across with the bag mechanic in 12 hours, especially. Yeah. I, that it's you, just like, click the button, click it again yes. and again and again. Yes. That's, uh, I experienced that playing playing the game, you know. Um, you can stop begging at any time, but I wanted that burger, you know, so I just kept clicking and mm-hmm. you know every time it was a different you know it would look a disgust or someone yelled get a job or someone was afraid or something you know or someone clutched their purse there was always like a different line of um you know a different descriptor there um so i you know i felt like that and you know you just have to keep you know you have to keep going until you you have what you need and i think uh what happens with a lot of people sometimes as well is you know if they can blame that person and say oh it's their fault they're in that situation then they don't have to feel guilty so i think it's a it's a way for those people that that cope as well i get that i just wish those people would remember that they haven't had to actually be afraid of freezing to death recently and that's like a way that you die on the streets is freezing to death you just Mm -hmm. go to sleep and you don't wake up and uh there's like a dozen homeless people who die that way in Oregon like every year um yeah like i i feel like until you've had to like be afraid of like losing a toe to frostbite because you're sleeping outside in the rain because the shelter is full i'm just like i'm like i don't care about your discomfort there's people who <laughs> are in terrible terrible pain who are in like the worst situations that you can imagine there are elderly people who don't have families who are sleeping on the street and eating like dog food like i cannot stress to you enough that there Mm -hmm. are people in this country who live in places that don't have like potable water it's a basic human right like potable water (laughs) <laughs> should be a basic human right, right? Yeah. <laughs> like no, I'm that, I'm pretty sure the UN has has like identified drinking water as like a human right and it's just it's shocking to me that people constantly come to me and they're like, "But I feel really uncomfortable." And I I just I want to say to them like, "I I get that." But your discomfort right now is not nearly as important as the epidemic of homelessness. One in five transgender people will experience homelessness in the United States. That's that's a number that needs to change, like, immediately. Uh, 
it the numbers rising for minorities the number gets worse for women the number gets worse for transgender people for glb people for kids <laughs> like there are children who are homeless like i cannot stress enough to everyone that your discomfort is so completely secondary to these children who are homeless <laughs> and I, yeah, but... I try to say that in the nicest way possible but i'm sure i come off like really like <laughs> did you did you get yeah did you guys ever read the uh, book the little match girl Can't yes that's that a very sad sad story <laughs> yeah it was like my uh one of my daughter's favorite whenever she was like two going on three and I would read it like every night and <laughs> like end up crying almost every night. Cause it was like a sad story. And like you said, uh, people don't see homelessness as, as a, a child. They, they see it as, you know, an adult or someone who's lazy or someone who has a problem, you know, like a drinking problem or drug problem. They don't see, you know, like you said, the, the true epidemic of, of homelessness and that these people are real people. And it's kind of, you know, I know they try to make it in a little bit of a light thing from a probably Christian standpoint at the end, what happens, but from the beginning of the actual issue is, is a pretty serious issue that it's talked about pretty heavily in a very, you know, non kid way for a kid's book is what I see it as, you know, what, what it's been put out as, and it's, it's, it hits hard. And, uh, that that was a fantastic uh, read, I think, that I never read until I had children. So, For viewers who don't know, Little Match Girl is the story of a homeless girl who sells matches on the streets, and it's Christmas Eve. And rather than selling these matches, since no one is out to buy them because it's Christmas Eve, she lights them one by one and sees visions in them, and then she freezes to death. Like, it's... it's really and sad she <laughs> and she yeah she doesn't go back to her place because she's afraid her dad will be furious and you know basically maybe smack her or so forth and where they're living at isn't warmer anyways than where she's out in the middle of the street so like you said she then goes ahead and does the matches and she like you said sees all the visions until like you said she passes away frozen yeah, what what really bugs me sometimes is you know you know we, we talked about the golf courses already, um, but then if you think about all of the abandoned houses in the country, and the fact like you said Kiva you know sleeping out in the rain because you know the shelter was full, you know I think that if you if you saw that number the number that you know states are spending on you know quote unquote managing. Um, homeless people, um, you know, that number, you know, is, is, is way bigger probably than, you know, being able to, I think Tim was talking about this, find a home, one of those empty homes for, you know, these people and, and hiring someone to, to, you know, a social worker to help them. Um, there's, there's gotta be something, there's gotta be some kind of laws to be put in place, um. But, you know, I don't I don't think that what, you know, what's happening now is the answer, which is basically, you know, they're being s swept under the rug. And uh, Kiva, you did bring an article with you today 
Um, this is, you know, we're talking about San Francisco here where there is uh, a new snitch app that encourages residents to report homeless people. Um, you know, so and, and that basically, you know, that goes right along with what we're talking about is that, you know, uh, there's not there's no, no one trying to find a real solution. It's just about sweeping the problem under the rug to make your city or your state or whatever look fancy or, you know, you know, uh, I don't know. I just it's uh, a way for people to not have to interact with homeless people to be able to summon police on homeless people with the touch of a button. And I need to stress to everyone that police are not what homeless people want to see. Like people are like, oh, police will get them connected with the proper resources. No, cops are bound by city ordinances. And there are many city ordinances which are anti-homeless. There's no other word for it. There are city ordinances, there are sit-lie ordinances, which make it illegal to sit or lie on the sidewalk. How ridiculous is that? There are, uh, there are ordinances that make feeding the homeless illegal in several cities. Wow. Yeah, there yeah. are ordinances that make public camping illegal. So if they happen to have, like, a tent that they sleep in to stay out of the weather, that's against the law. Like, just these simple things, these simple, tiny comforts that can be the difference between sickness and health or life and death become illegal so calling the cops is the last thing that a homeless person wants to have happen what we want to do instead so i'm working with a man named darcel jackson he started a uh nonprofit called shelter tech he uh was struggling with homelessness himself and then he got out of it which is awesome and now he does shelter tech work where he gets wi-fi installed in shelters and he's getting phones out to homeless people and he's creating this app that's going to connect homeless people directly with services that they need with organizations that will actually help them because the cops are not the organization that you want they're just they're not the answer i have seen way too many i have seen violence done to homeless people by police and i cannot stress enough like if you see a homeless person and you want to help them, 911 is not the answer. Like, it's really not. Especially if that homeless person happens to be a person of color. I don't, it's like, I don't even know what to say. So, I mean, I guess uh, one of the questions is, so... What if you're a normal person, normal Joe, like myself, and, and I know there's a couple of shelters in my small town, not many actually, um, what should you do? Like if, I mean, obviously there's the idea of giving money, giving blankets, clothes, food, whatever it may be, but outside of that, actually finding a place to stay, if you yourself don't feel comfortable giving someone a place to stay, what is a good way to go about helping them out? So I have friends who work very closely with the homeless community and they're willing to open their homes to certain members of the community and they will allow one person to camp in their backyard sometimes. Mm, okay. Um, I can't tell you how much that changes someone's life to have regular access to water and a bathroom and to be able to set up a tent and to just have 
a safe place. Like someone's backyard is a safe place that you can be. But there are laws against that in (laughs) many cities and many areas. Because we have specifically set up the legal system to punish empathy and punish kindness to the homeless. So with that being said, where can you go, do you know, uh, to look at what states allow specific things allowed like camping out? Is there is there a place where you can go and see all states' laws against uh, helping out those who are homeless? I would check endhomelessness.org. Okay. They are pretty great. Uh, they have a lot of information if you're just looking for information on the homeless in your area they can probably direct you in to the right place okay uh the other thing you can always do is dial 211 on your phone and ask about low or no income resources and pass that information along um, because those will be resources that are directly in your area okay awesome thank you we'll uh, we'll add some of that information uh, in the show notes so uh, i want to thank you kiva for you know sharing your story um you know it's it's definitely something that people need to hear and then you know i also encourage the chromatic crew to go ahead and check out uh 12 hours so we'll put the link for that also in the show notes and do whatever you can for, um, you know, our brothers and sisters out there because, you know, those 12 hours at night is, it's not easy. And, you know, um, you know, it's maybe look, maybe at least look in, in the eye, you know, next time, you, you know, you pass by, you know, someone who's in, in an unfortunate situation because as the, there was that line in 12 hours that, you know, I found very striking where, you know, the protagonist says it's been so long since someone's even said my name and you know even that is very striking so we've all been alone we you know we've all been hurting so you know i think we all need to have a little more empathy so thank you kiva for talking about all that thank you so much for having me oh of course of course so uh we're going to have one more topic uh star wars is upon us and the new trailer just launched and featured our two protagonists um uh, we have uh, a young African American man as the male lead, and a, a woman as the you know uh, in what I think is going to be the main um, it's going to be the main actor of the film, right, Matt? That's what that's what I'm taking from it. I could be wrong, but like I said pre-show, if you look at who Anakin was and then Luke and what they did as a job or hobby, uh, she falls right into that, and even the ominous female voice at the end where uh, you hear at the end of the trailer basically saying like you know the force is with you and, and within you and so forth it, it seems like it's echoing towards that and uh if you the the books that were written in the extended universe that happen afterwards they are not canon is what we're told but they are way more um awesome female protagonists written in the extended universe than than uh, you could imagine actually oh, so yes. Jane i'm surprised Solo. exactly so i'm surprised with what you're about to say even happened if you're truly a star wars fan 
uh, this should not be a surprise to you. Oh, yeah. So here's what happened. So uh, a new hashtag sprung up out of this in the midst of this trailer. It's hashtag boycott Star Wars Episode 7. I'm guessing that certain people on the internet aren't very happy that the lead role does not go to a white male. And instead you see, you know, a, a more diverse cast than in previous um, in previous uh, Star Wars films. Uh, while researching this topic, researching this hashtag, um, you know, I learned about what Trevor Noah's response. So, uh, his response was essentially, you know, stop complaining racists already. You had your Star Wars movie. That's a quote. (laughs) And, uh, you know, later on he starts referring to Jar Jar Binks (laughs) from, you know, the prequel trilogy, which, you know, essentially is a character that you know, has a <laughs> how how there's would you a say? lot of racist characters in that movie yes. actually <laughs> like, oh yes yes and we're uh, not saying that jar jar binks is a racist we're saying that his design is racist <laughs> yes yes although uh, for all i know jar jar binks is also a racist yeah we we don't know that you know that much but uh but it could be i i yeah i'm not sure yeah, so, um, you know, uh, Matt, I got the inkling that you were going to dive into this one. So, uh, you know, what do you think of, of people who have a problem with this? You're calling them not, you know, not actual Star Wars fans in a universe, in a, you know, galaxy long, long ago, uh, where there's many alien races of all different colors, blue, green, every color you can imagine. And oh, they, yeah, they have long- to- go ahead. Yeah, as long as they're not um, black, Hispanic, Latino, then they're fine. But if they're, you know, that, then there's a problem, obviously, right? Like you said, we have all these aliens. We've we've had all these creatures and so forth. I mean, let's be honest. I, I think maybe the dark side is less racist than the, than the Jedi. <laughs> um, but but that's a whole other story based based on prior to the Emperor and Darth Vader. But you know, I I've always thought that in the year twenty three, whatever, everybody's going to be white, obviously. Um, I mean, because let's be honest, uh, whenever two people of different races and colors mix, it's always the white people that that are so white afterwards. Um, no, I'm just just me being uh, mean about it. I, I I don't know why it's such a big deal. Like I said, I don't feel so. If if you, not that I'm a huge extended universe guy, I've read some of the stuff. Um, I've loved some of the stuff as you said. Uh, you pointed out a couple of names there a minute ago, and we see females, we see uh, people of different, you know, backgrounds and, and colors and, and, you know, alien ethnicity brought into the forefront. Uh, even on the dark side, if we talk about Emperor Thrawn, he is a non, non-human non that uh, leads the Empire after the fall of Darth Vader and the Emperor. There's so much out there that isn't against having someone who is either female or of a different race than being a Caucasian as the the hero in the story. So for us to come out, it's just another example of some group of people who, for some reason, are not happy with there being non-white, non-males, and really just causing another trolling of the, of the whole internet to the point that the media is going to respond to it. And we're going to talk about it and everybody else because it's upsetting because it gets traction so quickly for some reason, whether it's to 
keep the troll going on or to support it. Uh, either way, it's it's quite disheartening, in my opinion, especially with what looks to be actually a worthy Star Wars movie just based off the three trailers that I've seen. Absolutely. All this does is it's it fuels my desire to see the movie even further. It, it actually kind of reminds me of this year when uh, Mad Max Fury Road came out. And, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I might check it out. And then I heard that men's rights activists were... Uh, <laughs> we're boycotting it, and then after like that, the I was whole like, reason oh, I, I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet because I, that's not a movie that my wife will go see. Um, so when it was at the theater, I did not go. I haven't got to watch it yet. But I just think it's funny when you say men's rights activists. I, <laughs> I almost I can't say the phrase without like cracking up laughing. Like yeah, that's really a thing, really. Oh, it makes me so mad. Don't. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it's it's <laughs> white Christian middle class males that have the problems. No one else. It's just such a hard life. You Look, know, I'm going to be burn. the first one to say that <laughs> yeah. there are men who need rights. There are trans men well. who need rights. There are black <laughs> men who need rights. But I have never met a men's rights activist who is actually concerned with men's rights. Like. <laughs> Yeah, they all it's... seem to be really concerned with women's rights and limiting those. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to say about the Star Wars thing other than it's ridiculous and it's it's a much lighter topic than what we've discussed so far. But it's just once again another showing of uh, lack of understanding within whether it be the U.S. or the whole world. So. Unfortunately, I think it'll pass, but it's going to be talked about now until the first episode comes out. And then once, if it is a loved movie, uh, then it'll be forgotten or questions will be asked like, what's up now, Internet? Or, But if it's a um, movie that doesn't stand up well, it won't be because it was a bad story. It won't be because of J.J. Abrams. It won't be because of this and that. It'll be because there was a uh, protagonist that was African-American and a protagonist that was female. Oh my god, the future of diversity is resting in J.J. Abrams' hands. <laughs> That's actually the movie I want to see, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you need it, it all rests in J.J. Abrams' hands in Disney. Disney and J.J. Abrams basically hold the key to um, understanding diversity in the world. So whether whether it goes one way or the other, it, it has it has falls right into that. So Who would they cast to play J.J. <laughs> Abrams? Um, hmm... Probably any any white hipster probably could play J.J. Abrams. Okay. I mean, I, I'm thinking. You know, Jesse he, has, he has the black glasses, uh, nice hair, and he wears plaid a lot. So I'm pretty sure. I don't know, I'm really surprised be... you didn't say, why not J.J. Abrams? Oh, my God. Um, I thought that. Why didn't I say <laughs> it? Yeah, but you can't do that, though, because it's not – you can't – you know. But I mean, he's J.J. Abrams. Like, you need to find someone who can be J.J. Abrams, just like they had Ashton Kutcher be Steve Jobs. I mean, that was a perfect uh, write-in, right? Was it? Flawless. No. No. Flawless. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways. Well, we're all hoping that Star Wars is really good. And, you know, from the looks of it, it's looking pretty good. Uh, I'm excited for it. And there's even a, a Latino actor in the film. Yes. Hey, maybe he's only an X-Wing pilot, but uh, hey, I'll take it. 
I think there's more there with anything I can get at this point. (laughs) I think there's more there to him, so I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a major character throughout the story. All right, all right. I'm looking forward to it. I hope your words ring true. So we are coming up on the end of this episode. What a wonderful episode it's been. But before we let you go, Kiva, um, at the end, we'd like to talk about what we've been playing, watching, or listening to. So as the honored guest honored co-host of the episode why don't you go ahead first and let us know what you've been up to uh i've been trying to play some read-only memories but i haven't had much time for it i'm going to stream that tonight and i've been watching flcl and listening to mike moody's music awesome and uh, flcl is that a fully coolie what is yeah that? it's an oh old my anime God, we're yes. gonna talk about it on yes. gosh cartoons so yes Oh, yeah. Gosh, cartoons. That's your podcast. Is that right? Would you uh, fill us in a little bit about that? Sure. It's me and Brenda Duval and Dave Rensing and David from Fresh Out of Tokens. And we watch cartoons and talk about them because I really like cartoons. And I wanted <laughs> to watch. I was like, I want to watch more cartoons. So now, like, uh, we just watch a bunch of cartoons and then we talk about said cartoons (laughs) and there's no rhyme or reason to like anything we pick so it's not like it doesn't have to be new it's just Mm -hmm. like it's the kiva wants to talk about good cartoons podcast yes that sounds i need to i have to admit i haven't been listening to that so i need to uh, check it out and listen to it because uh, i'm hit or miss with cartoons but i enjoy them so i would I'm, i'm interested to see what you guys recommend so i can uh, pick up on it and watch it we don't always all agree and it's very it's funny okay. when we don't <laughs> i think that sounds entertaining yeah good tension uh have you ever thought of maybe recording uh matt uh, help me out what was it called you know i've i know other podcasters have done this where they will record like a voiceover or a commentary track so someone can play it along with a movie while they're watching so it'll oh it's like, you yeah know, yeah you're, you're watching with your with your best buddies yeah that's but, true kind of like a uh, mystery science theater 3000 exactly 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 so um yeah kiva that might be something to bring up to your yeah fellow podcasters I'll, there i'll that make would, them do be it cool. we're currently recapping all of steven universe but maybe oh we can make a track God. for that steven universe uh, i said i said the magic words yes. oh no oh no oh. this is what always happens this every podcast ever somebody mentions steven universe and then it goes way too long because people are talking about <laughs> steven universe but not, yes we've been recapping say that again you're not allowed to talk about it let keep All right. the sentence and let's move on <laughs> <laughs> but yes we've been recapping steven universe it's pretty uh, great that's so awesome cool. all right so everybody definitely go check out gosh cartoons it's at gosh cartoons on twitter um so let's uh head into what matt has been checking out recently so for me it's been a lot of tv um the only thing i'm playing right now really is nba 2k16 uh like I said, I'm the I'm the bro of the show too, so uh, actually played with some, yeah, played with some uh, cool guys uh, on the internet the other day that couldn't figure out what Lanks a lot was and couldn't get my name right as my gamer tag, and it was <laughs> it was pretty funny, but it, it was a good time and uh, had fun. I never really played my player my park on there, so that was cool. But I had given up on The Walking Dead uh, middle of season four. After did you guys watch it all or no? 
Uh, I got to catch up to the new season. I'm a little okay. behind, but the boyfriend watches it and he's very invested. Okay, they are. which means so... you're very invested as well. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I'm not that woman. <laughs> like... Awesome. So where I where I was in the comics, um, they weren't there yet. Now they're past where I'm at in the comics. So I need to catch up on the comics and then, you know, say, oh, this is crap compared to the comics or whatever it may be. But I really get tired of it like mid-season four, like first episode of the second half of the season. And I stopped cold turkey. Didn't watch season four, the rest of it. Didn't watch season five. Season six came out. I, for some reason, get the itch. Finished up season four. Season five is really good. Caught up to season six now. So I'm fully invested again. And that goes along with all those superhero shows, Gotham, Flash, Arrow, and Heroes Reborn. And coming up on Monday, if it's hopefully not bad, Supergirl. So that's where I'm at. I am a superhero fanatic when it comes to TV shows. So that's my life. Oh, that Gotham, baby. Woo! It's I'm good. loving it. It's uh, good this season. I can't I can't say anything bad yet. It it's been fantastic. Last season was good too. Just a little cheesy, but thankfully no. I love the cheese. Oh, I, I do too. I love cheese, baby. It had a little bit of cheese whiz on it, but it was <laughs> it was still good at the end of the day. Oh, but uh, no doubt season two is much better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, they're definitely uh, stepping it up a notch. So I agree. I'm going to go ahead and jump into what I've been doing recently, which yep. um, a game I've been playing, which I finally got around to. I've had it for so long, but um, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. It's uh, kind of like a point and click adventure. Um, you're you're essentially uh, interacting with the environment, and it's all about the soundtrack. It's soundtrack by Jim Guthrie, which I had to buy as soon as I started playing the game. So you're interacting with your environment, and you know you're clicking here and there, and everything is its own sound effect or its own musical note. And you know it's a very musical game. You're you're uh, basically trying to match tones, and and it's just really really awesome take on the whole sword and sorcery genre i would recommend highly recommend that to anyone who um you know we, oh yeah it's, it is it is it's really so great you know there's a there's a little bit of a kind of turn-based combat where you're either blocking or or slashing with your sword but outside of that those instances of combat you know it's all about interacting with the environment and everything has its own note and its own sound and you know you're basically playing a melody with everything you do so it's a really really beautiful um game i suggest y'all check it out then i've been of course playing 12 hours i had my first playthrough um but i think i'm definitely going to go back and see if i can actually survive kiva there is actually a way to survive is there yeah yeah okay 72 72 safe moves on the board okay awesome so i'm gonna hug i'm gonna i'm taking on the 12 hours challenge and i oh you know, and sometimes if you find safe places to nap that'll kill extra time there are different uh, things okay. you can do to kill time. Uh, pro tip. Here, here's a question. When it's on Steam, is there going to be achievements? Oh, gosh. I'm, I might just code in like a couple achievements for the different endings. Mm-hmm. But That'd be kind of cool. That know. would be cool. I don't know how achievement, you have been stabbed, will go over. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that's one of the achievements in Call of Duty. So, I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't work in 12 hours. I, yeah, I, would, I think that would work. <laughs> the final thing that I have been watching, of course, because this Wednesday was October 21st, 
2015, yes. which will go down as Back to the Future Day. So, of course, I had to watch some Back to the Future, too. And, uh, my God, that movie is still fresh. It still holds up. It is. Really, Listen, Michael, really well. Michael J. Fox is is a fantastic actor, actually. I liked him a lot. And if you haven't got the chance, go and check out Jimmy Kimmel. They had uh, him and Christopher Lloyd come out as Marty and Doc Brown on live with the DeLorean and kind of like Aww. joke around about 2015. I'll tell you what, he is a, um, you know, I'm not saying they're, Michael J. Fox is the BLN end all, but he's a fantastic person for what he's going through and what he, he has tried to do for support of uh, Parkinson's. Uh, my grandfather had Parkinson's. He had Alzheimer's, uh, which he lost his battle to in, in May. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of improvements coming from his organization with Parkinson's and a lot of stuff that's happening right now with Alzheimer's and dementia that is a couple years away, but it's it's hopefully going to improve a lot of lives. Um, you know, and I don't want to get in my soapbox, but I was talking to my grandmother. I said, you know, cancer is something that can be beaten, but it makes a lot of money. And Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and these other things like AIDS even before were things that weren't going to make money. And they found ways to make it better or to even cure in some instances. So I think we're going to see Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and these other things start to really actually get better because uh, there's no money to be made from letting them progress in their illness like there is with cancer. That's my conspiracy theory real quick. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we see some good things happen with that in the in the near future. So. Oh, did you? And, did you know? And all, Go ahead. Uh, sorry, another Back to the Future thing. Also, if anybody. <laughs> I also was, had another Back to the Future thing, so go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, the one network I like is Twit, twit.tv, which is like the first thing that brought me into podcasting. Um, they have a show called The New Screensavers, which is a take on the screensavers that was on ZDTV and Tech TV back in the day with Leo Laporte. And Megan Maroney, uh, she does an interview with Robert Coyle, who was the other writer and producer of. Uh, uh, Back to the Future Part 2 with Robert Zemeckis and he talks about what did actually come true from their predictions in 2015 and then he makes predictions about what he thinks will happen in the next 30 years and what we'll see in 2045 which is a pretty interesting take on the whole Back to the Future Part 2 so one thing that for sure didn't come true was the Cubs winning the World Series it's true sad to say Cub fans so uh, here's looking at next year Hopefully. Uh, Matt, did you know that Michael J. Fox was a last-minute cast? Yes. In the um, film? I cannot remember the guy's name, but he was in The Fly 2 um, as the head character. Uh, man, I know he has reddish hair, but I cannot remember his total name. He was cast, and then they said it wasn't working out. They actually kicked him out and then brought in Michael J. Fox. They actually started taping before they actually casted Michael J. Fox. Yeah, that's really nuts. So imagine the film could have been way different, but we're glad Michael Hold on J's up. in there. E Eric Stoltz is the Eric character. Eric Stoltz. Well, sorry, Eric. Yes. <laughs> Sad yes. turn of events, but uh, Destiny was meant to be, so. Exactly. Kiva, yes. I want to express to you how honored and incredibly overjoyed that you agreed to be on our podcast and share your story and 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 share your passion um 
with us tonight. I mean, it's just, you know, this will go down as one of the greatest episodes, I think, of our entire podcast career. Um, thank you so much for being here and taking the time tonight to be with us. And I am so excited for the Chromatic crew to get to know you and get to bask in the greatness that is Kiva Bay. Whoa. Thank you. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. He, he can lay, he can lay it on thick. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how to respond to that. Like, <laughs> I, I can say, I can say that I've always uh, appreciate your, your social media activity on Twitter. So having you on and being able to talk to you and, and then uh, share your experience and everything was uh, eye opening and uh, definitely uh, great to, to kind of know you more than just what you put out there on the Twitter sphere. So I am very thankful and grateful that you're here. Aw, gosh, thank you. Thank you and, for having me. It was really fun. Oh, of course. I don't, uh, I have a feeling this will not be the last time you're on the show. Yay! We'll have to get you back. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so it is the end of episode nine, Kiva. Why don't you hit the Chromatic crew with all of your social media business and all of the wonderful projects you're involved in? Here's your moment. Um, you can find me at Kiva Bay on Twitter, or if you want to support my philanthropy art, you can go to patreon.com backslash Kiva Bay. Thank you. Awesome, and thank you so much. Um, so here is the rundown for everybody. We are a bi-weekly podcast coming to you hopefully every Monday. Right, Matt? That's correct. <laughs> Sometimes a little late, but that's okay. Um, exactly. We- we <laughs> we want you to head over to geeked.fm and listen to our past episodes. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us your review and or a star rating because you love us and we love you. Send your questions and feedback to chromaticlife.fm at geeked.fm. And please, as always, if you like what you heard, please share the show with your friends. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at chromaticlife.fm. You can find your Wonderful co-host at Cipher of Tear for Tanya, Lancelot81 for Matthew, uh, Javier Payano for yours truly, and dearest Chromatic community, I just want to say we love you and we hope that you've enjoyed our nine episodes. We'll be back in another two weeks with another wonderful episode for you. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful evening and an excellent tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.